I don't even believe in that word luck because it's like you create your own luck and the harder you work the more luck you create luck to me is like winning a lottery you know what I mean but working hard is what it's actually all about the stuff behind the scenes is like only the real homies see it and only the real people who are in it understand the grind that's what we say welcome everyone my name is Kapil Guy and you're tuned in to the Finding Perspective podcast, where we share stories and get into deep conversation with the intent of educating our listeners to new insight, new ways of thinking, and of course, new perspectives. I want to introduce you all to uh, our guest today. Her name is DJ T Jr. And uh, she is a DJ that is based in the uh, greater Toronto area who has been active in the scene for quite some time and has also been uh, taking part in some competitions, has gone to the United States, has competed at the Goldie Awards, and has also gained some cosigns from some very notable people as well. So uh, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited for for this podcast and I think it's great what you're doing. So um we can get right into it. Okay. Do you actually, do you want to give people your, uh, your, your, your name, your real name? My name, my real name is Stephanie. Okay. Wonderful. So, um, <laughs> so should I refer to you as Stephanie or DJ T Jr.? DJ T Jr. T Jr. T Jr. Like, right. Whatever. I, I have a lot of variations. All right. We'll go with T Jr. So, um, your journey to DJing, how did you uh, decide that you wanted to get into it and how did this come about? Every time this question comes up, I always tell people, I never intended to be a DJ. It's not like I woke up one day, I'm like, that looks cool. I want to be a DJ. How it all started for me was basically my love for hip hop. So since I was very young, I was just intrigued by hip hop. And I honestly don't know what it was. It could have just been, I just felt that was the genre that I felt in my soul, so to speak. So then I kept exploring it. But of course, I was so young that it's my parents weren't going to go out to buy me the the explicit content, the the CDs and stuff like that. So I would I would just be digging on the internet for hip hop, anything I could find. And then I, I remember I heard Old Dirty Bastard got your money. One of my older cousins was playing it. And I was like, what was that? And of course he didn't give it to me. And then anytime they were out of the house, if we were visiting, I would just go into the, their computer and then just write down all the tracks that I liked. <laughs> so I'll just go into their system. And then over time, I just kept learning and learning and learning about hip hop, all the artists and anything I could find pretty much. I just wanted to to know the most about hip hop than anybody else. And then once I got my first job, which was at Loblaws in um, Pickering, so I, I met a manager there, my manager there at the time. I, I just asked him one day because he had sort of a swag and I'm like, what kind of music do you listen to? He, he I think I was like 15 or 16. And then he's like, oh, you know, he kind of brushed it off on ass. He's kind of like, oh, you wouldn't know. And then uh, he's, he's like hip hop. And I'm like, what kind of hip hop? And that's when he's like, like, what does this girl know? And then I started naming some artists like Karis One, mm-hmm. MC Shen, just like Rock Him. And he's like, what? And actually, we have a mutual friend who's friends with, who was my manager, DJ Z. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the interesting part of everything. And then, and then over time, I, I continued to work with him over the years. And then, you know, one day he kind of just said, do you want to... Do you want to try going on the turntables? And then I said, no. 
<laughs> and then I, I tried it and it just felt so uncomfortable. I was like, uh, this feels weird. But then the moment I heard him scratch, I kind of just was like, what was that? Time passed. And I was like, yo, Z, I want to buy turntables. And it just started from there. Do you remember your first gig? My first gig that I can recall, it was uh, Escobar. It was called S. This was the old Escobar downtown Toronto. Okay. So DJ Mids, shout out to DJ Mids who actually hooked me up with that gig. We we did the gig together. I wasn't playing out and I had no intention to play out. So not only did I have no intention to become a DJ, I had no intention to play out because I just loved music and that's what I was doing it for. And then he kind of just said, you know, this place plays real hip hop. So that was my start into that. And I was like, okay. Because at that time I wasn't like listening to anything mainstream or wasn't, that wasn't what I was trying to get into. I just really love the underground stuff or just the real hip hop. He's like, this is a place where you can play like the grimier stuff because mm-hmm. he knew what I was into, like the mob deeps, you know? And then um, I, I went there. I forget where it was. Now there's a new Escobar. They relocated because they expanded, but it was part of Valdez. Oh, I know Valdez. They're on, they're on Queen Street, right? So yeah. It's, it's a restaurant. I think I went there before and like to get to the back where it there's was a, a Latin. It was a Latin spot. And yeah, now yeah. I got. They had, you had to like, say a password at the door yeah, or something. Yeah, that was the Escobar one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. remember. I've been there. So shouts out to DJ Grouch, who was a resident there for oh, a I know, long time. I think I know DJ Grouch. He was on Vibe. Okay, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I know DJ Grouch. So he would be there at Valdez. And then at the very bottom part, I think that that's where the Escobar was. So I was like, I want to go there. So that was, that was my first gig that I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So what's, what's interesting is that like when I look in, you know, look in the scene in Toronto and I'm sure it's like this in all other cities is like every DJ kind of has like their placement, like every Friday they're at this bar or every Saturday they're at this club. And does that kind of become like a, like a statement thing? Like, oh, if I'm at this club, oh, that's like a big club and so-and-so does that club. That means that, you know, they're, this DJ is at that level. Whereas, you know, certain so-and-so is like a smaller restaurant or whatever. Like, is that like, how does that work? You know what? This, this is a really good question because when I was first starting out, in my mind, I, I related big venues and nightclub venues to success but but now it, over time, I've I've kind of changed my mind frame and that that's not what I that's not necessarily what success is to me. So if you're playing at you know one of the hottest clubs every single Friday, then that that's great for you. Like you know that that's definitely your niche and maybe that's what that person wants to do. For me, I do a lot of the smaller venues and maybe more upscale. I kind of mix it up. Sometimes I'll do clubs. But I realize over time where I want to spend my time and energy. So with the smaller venues, you're able to start at a decent hour, end at a decent hour. Can't complain about pay, pays good. And then you get paid on time type of thing. Everything works out well. So everything has more structure in that way. With the club sometimes, unless I think a lot of it has to do with who you know as well. Right. So with the big clubs, if you're newer, they might they might look at you like, all right, we're, we're going to give her a lower rate. Well, that's a, another topic in terms of like how females get treated in the industry versus males. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah definitely we'll definitely get, get to, to that. that. That's but, a, but in terms of if you're new, the, they kind of, they don't know your vibe. They don't know, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe they think they can take advantage. I'm not saying every place is like that, but with the bigger venues, there's so many players 
there's so many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. So it's like you're dealing with this manager. You don't, you know, then the night you're waiting, like, am I going to get paid? Yeah. This and that. So it depends what you want. But these days there's so many options. You don't even, you don't necessarily have to go the club route. There's so many ways. Right. We, we have so many resources available to us. So and it's, it's cool that you mentioned that because you and I, we were connected through a mutual friend. Uh, I actually booked you for a corporate gig. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so, so talk about that because a lot of the times when we think like, I mean, the, you know, the, the fan looks at DJ as kind of, okay, I go to a club, I go to a party, I go to a banquet, I'll go to a wedding. There's a DJ playing music. There's somebody over there in the corner with like these turntables, but we don't think about corporate events. We don't think about, um, you know, charity events and fundraisers. So how do DJs view like the corporate events and how do they view that in comparison to the clubs and the parties? Yeah. From my experience, I, I actually like to mix it up. So and for me, it always comes back to the music and what I can contribute. So I'll do, I did the corporate event with you and it was fun. I got to, it's a, you meet a new crowd. It's a different vibe. You're doing, you're doing your job. You're providing a DJ service. So you can do a whole lot of things with DJing. You don't just have to stick the club thing. I don't think it's frowned upon maybe as much as it was in the past, you know, because you're working, you're, you're, you're getting out there. Right. But at least in my mind, I was like, I don't want, when I was coming up, I, I didn't, I was like, I, I was thriving to do more of the club stuff because I thought it was like the thing to do. Like, oh, it's cool. But, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily have to do that all the time. But this is, I like to do, I like to mix it up for me. So, you know, sometimes the clubs, the lounges, the corporate events. Yeah. It's whatever works for you. And really what it comes down to is what are your goals? So the club thing definitely works for some people. I know one DJ that is absolutely, it drives them like... He's probably one of the best club DJs I've ever seen, DJ Trapman, who's a Red Bull three-style champ, um, national champ. And he actually made it to the finals in 2016 and, and last year as well. He's he's fantastic. His personality suits that environment. Mm-hmm. I'm more introverted and like, you know, some days you kind of want to be out there, some days you don't. But, but the way I want to spend my time, depending on my goals, is right now I'm learning audio engineering, for example. Cool. So if I can end earlier, um, at a, I can end at an earlier time. I could head over to the studio. I'd say it all comes back down to what are you trying to do? What are your goals? And what's who are you like? What's the right fit for you? And what makes most business sense? So it's it's a number of things that you can think about. Right. And so like, do DJs have to find their niche or specialty of music? Like, is it normal for a hip hop DJ to one day be doing an EDM set? When it comes to you finding your niche, I think it is important as it is like, cause it defines who you are in your core, but it doesn't, you don't have to limit yourself. So I know my core, what I specialize in hip hop, 150%. That's, that's like who I am. I, I know it like the back of my hand, like it's, it's, it's just my genre. That's my, and then my niche would be the turntablism side of things, which is heavily influenced by hip hop. So that all ties in together. And my gigs, a lot of my gigs rarely do, will you hear me playing like the, the real hip hop in a lot of the venues, for example, some of my, my regular venues, for example, last night started off with some deep house and then I brought into some Afro, some Latin and then I'll bring it into some hip-hop, some of the more main, the more up-tempo hip-hop of today, you know, the Tory Lanez, mm-hmm. Drake. Yeah, shouts out to them for repping Canada. Of course. Yeah, so you just have to be, you have to be versatile. You have to know what is the best 
fit for yourself and the venue. But there are certain areas that I know is definitely not my scene. Like what? EDM. Okay. For example, like I can play it and I can I can do that stuff like a rave type of. If you if I think about raves, I'm already like ah, so not me. If and if people see me on stage, they they can automatically see what's authentic and what's not. So if you see me on stage, I can DJ and I can do all that. But to be in that scene, it just doesn't make sense. I think people will look at me like that's not her. What is she? <laughs> what, what is she doing? That's right, not. Right. Yeah, you know that's what I would say on that. Don't limit yourself. Definitely keep an open mind. Yeah. There's been gigs where I've played. I remember I got hired for for this wedding just for a few hours just to do the party set. And then they gave me a whole playlist. They gave me a whole playlist. So I went, I sort of went by that because they seemed like they wanted to stick to it. But what ended up happening is that the list actually worked against me. Although that's what the client wanted, it worked against me. And then I had to dig deep in the country crates. Believe it or not, I played country for <laughs> like two hours. And and that's what, and then, and then the bride and groom wanted the list, but it was the crowd actually wanted the country. So you just have to be ready. You just have to have all sorts of music in your crates and all genres. So do not limit yourself as a DJ. Know who you are, but also don't limit yourself because you might never know when that opportunity comes up where you have to pull out that country track. So I'd say be prepared for all types of situations. I wanted to ask you, how do you go about choosing your playlist? Because I know that as a DJ, it's it's very important that you sometimes you need to blend new music with old music, um, as well as finding good songs that you know people want to listen to, yet they may not be very mainstream. So I can give you an example. I, I went to a club like early in the summer and I remember like this guy was mixing all these things. And I remember for some reason he played the Friends theme song. And at first I'm like the Friends theme song in the club, but everyone was having a good time. Like, so what I want to ask is, you know, how do you go about choosing playlists that like people are going to have fun with? And at the same time be like, yo, I remember that track. And people kind of start vibing. Like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you strategically make these playlists? Everybody, every DJ has their own, their own way of organizing their, their crates. And you could look at that as organizing sort of your thoughts, your musical thoughts. So how I do it is I have my my main genres, which would be, you know, the current hip hop, my old school hip hop, the Latin stuff, which is broken down into a number of categories, but usually it's the reggaeton. I have a lot of Afro beats. In fact, Lincoln Bio, which is one of my really close business partners and DJ friends, he has renamed me Bernagel. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that is my new name. I love Afro, Dancehall, Soka, everything. So I have you those. You should collab with Burna Boy. <laughs> you already know that's definitely should happen. So I'll have my main crates. Go. There's a bunch of record pools that are available to DJs, DJ City, uh, BPM Supreme. You have French franchise record pools. So a lot of them have are specific to certain vibes. The franchise record pool is very heavy on the, the hip hop dance hall you can find a lot of latin on there dj city's really good for remixes mm-hmm. so you'll find a lot of that so i just when i go through music i just choose what i what sounds good to me and what feels good to me and within five seconds or 10 seconds of hearing the snippet of the track that i'm about to download i already know if i'm gonna like it or not and if the crowd will like it or not you just have a feeling i think if you do something so often you just you gain that experience and you Based on that, you just know. And then I'll listen to the intro and then I'll move right to the chorus. Like I'll scam through it, like I'll skim through it or scan through it. And then I'll just download it. But there's also tracks that I like 
that I'll download and I'll play that maybe the crowd doesn't like, but I'm like, this track is dope. They just maybe don't know it. So I'll, I'll do it strategically, like I'll insert that song maybe after a popular song, but that also fits in with key mm-hmm. and then test it out and just be like, I want to force it upon the crowd to like open up their minds and ears because there's so much dope music that, you know, they just, they just need to give it a chance. And it's up to us, the DJs to like break those records and, and, you know, definitely get the new music popping and in rotation. And on top of that, um, you know, trying to help out the up and coming artists in Toronto. Do you, do you help break new artists from Toronto? Do you help put their music in, in, in your for, playlist? Yeah, and stuff? for sure. For example, you know, with me, it's if I like the music and I think they are talented, then I will play it. Shaq is dope is one uh, is one of my favorite MCs from the city. So I'll play his stuff on the regular Hollywood Sos, which he's been do- doing music for a very long time. Right. He has a lot of really dope music. So that's yes. going to be coming out in the new year. Um, and a lot of, you know, Lanes' family is super, super talented. Yeah. They're, they're all either singers, yeah, rappers. Yeah, another one yeah. of his uh, brothers I was in the studio with like a couple years ago. Um, Yoko? Yes, Yoko. Yeah. yeah, Yoko Gold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's dope. I don't see him as much. And then there's there's Wolf who, he's he's super dope. Like he is like the, a philosopher with the pen. Yeah, so the whole family, Destiny, she's uh, coming out with an EP soon. So, you know, it's it's up to us to really push these records out from these yeah. new from these artists with the new music. Why do you think DJs should be supporting the local artist? Because this is where we come from. Like right. why wouldn't we want to why wouldn't we want to support this talent coming out of the city? Toronto has so much talent. Not you know, it's, it's so much talent in terms of DJs, production, engineering, artists, you know, rap, everything. We have so much talent. Like you you definitely want to make Toronto a known scene for music because we have so much talent here. So we we want to retain the talent and attract new talent to the city. We don't want our talent having to leave every single time. Unfortunately, that that's what the case is. If you want to be bigger and better, like we feel that we have to go to New York or LA, but why not just create and grow within our city and just make it this like crazy music hub? Right. So I I definitely want to help the people that are in my city. Right, right. No, no, that's great. Cause like, I remember, I remember, I think it was like a year and a half ago. There was like, uh, cause you know, I, I do follow the local scene as much as I can. Um, I think I was definitely following a lot more when it was like Drake and then Torik and cause that's kind of when I was like, um, right. you know, in, in, you know, I guess at that age or whatever. And then I know nowadays there's a lot more young artists that are probably in their teens and, you know, early twenties, not that I'm old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, obviously I hear about some of these guys on the internet, but I don't, yeah. I'm not as, I don't know about every artist. So I remember, anyways, we went to a club, me and my friend, like two years ago, there's a local artist that we were listening to and his song came on like in the midst of all these other popular artists. Like, yo, we went crazy. I'm like, this is crazy. Like it, it, we didn't even think that like, this will get recognized at yeah. that level. So it's kind of cool to see that. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, DJs that put, you know, sample playlists online, like putting sample playlists on SoundCloud and whatnot. I know you've done that. Um, but what are your, do you think it's important that DJs do that? Um, especially when you're new and trying to, you know, get your, your sound out there. Oh, you're saying sample mixes. Yeah. Sorry. Sample mixes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So sample set. Why is it important to promote your, your sound? Yeah. So I have on my SoundCloud, I have both uh, 
you know, my own remixes of, of singles. And then I also have stuff that clients can look through. For example, I have the Urban Vibes uh, mixtape. They're kind of like mixtapes that, that I just put online. There's a hip hop trap one. There's an old school one. There's my Shade 45 mix, a whole bunch of stuff. So it's important to have, you don't have to have a, a million tracks up there, a million, you know, mixes, but just to showcase your style of sound, your style of mixing as a DJ, your selection, you know, how it's a good, it's a good taste into what, what that client is going to expect when, when they'll get you, when they want to hire you for a certain event. So it's definitely, it's definitely a marketing tool. So it's, you know, you're, you're showing people, this is what I do. This is what I can do. This is my sound. And not only that, I have, I have a few different genres that they can choose from just mm -hmm. some clients may want a mix of everything. Some clients may want just this. So, so versatility. Yeah. Yeah. So I try and definitely showcase, you know, my versatile style. And um, I just want to, because how else, if someone doesn't know me, a lot of work is through referrals. But if they don't know me and they just discover me, um, then it's a good way for them to be like, oh, this is great. I want to use this um, for the event or, right. you know, so it, it allows the client to choose and, and see what you're all about. Right. So yeah. I, I think it's very important to put your work out there. Yeah. No, because I asked was when I was looking for people for um, uh, an event that I was doing for DJs and I had asked a lot of DJs saying, can you send me a sample mix? And some would say, oh, sorry, I don't have one online. And my answer was like, sorry, then I can't hire you. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how am I, you know, I have like, you know, I have a job to do and I have to make sure that you're not playing music that's going to get, you know, me in, in trouble or whatnot. So, and I, we, you and I had that conversation, you know, I was very, you know. Strict on having clean edits. Yeah. yeah I was very sure. strict on that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's very important because it's kind of like if you know that someone is a dope visual artist and they have all these paintings, like okay, show me a sample of your work. Well, I don't have it. <laughs> okay, well then I have to choose someone blindly. So it puts yeah. you in a difficult position. So it's just it's a it's only a win win if you post your stuff. But but when you post it, just make sure that it's some of your best work. You don't want to put anything it's always going to be quality over quantity for me when I'm putting stuff out there, even when it comes to Instagram posts or um, when I'm engaging in certain things, it's always like, I always want to put out something meaningful. It has to make sense. Yeah. It has to make sense. And even when it comes to the mixes, it's, you know, you don't, I I've redone, I've read, all of them are live. All of the one, the ones that I've done are live. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't put it out anything that was done in, you know, Ableton, for example, and then, which I have no, I have no issue with people doing that. If they want to make it more of a listening experience, if you want, if you want to put together, for example, the Nipsey Hustle tribute I did, that one I did, I didn't do that straight through from front to end. I didn't do a, a mix from front to end. That was me doing segmented pieces along the way. So I did my intro, did my cuts, and then I had it. Uh, all laid out in Ableton. Right. Um, and then the next day I'll work on something else. That one took a lot of thought and a lot of preparation. So it's not something you can do live um, because there's way, way too many things that I had to jig around. And maybe we can talk about that in a bit. But for the other mixes, they're all live mixes just to show people this is what I can do as a DJ live. And this is what you'll expect. Because if you put up a mix that's like flawless, flawless that you chopped up and actually is more of a production thing. 
that client may not even get that live. There's some DJs who won't be able to perform that live, you know? Right. So it's, it's kind of like, what's it called? Not fake selling, but I can't think of the word. Fake, when, oh, uh, false, false, false advertising. Uh, false advertising. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> fake selling. Um, no, it's really, okay. It's really cool that you bring that up. Cause I'm guessing, I feel like it'd be boring if you just make up a, a playlist beforehand, just goes from a hit play. Yeah. I gotta be boring on your part. I mean, I don't see how you'd have fun with it. Like, okay, I'll, I'll tell you a story. So last night, actually, I went to a club with a couple of my friends. It was a back in the day party. Now, okay, I have to say it was interesting because it was funny. I, I knew I had this this uh, interview in the next day, so I'm like I'm like doing my homework while I'm there. <laughs> I'm I like, okay, I'm like, okay, I was really like observing the crowd and obser observing the DJ. And I'll get to the crowd in a second, but. I could see that the DJ was really paying attention to what the crowd was feeling. Um, so, That's a good DJ right there. Yeah, it was really paying attention. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, and one person's not the majority. I remember there'd be a song that would come on and I'd start vibing and then 30 seconds later, I'd go into another song. I'm like, what are you doing? I was vibing. Yeah. But I don't know if perhaps not everybody was or the majority wasn't. But at one point, I think towards the end of the night, the DJ played uh, Killing Me Softly by the Fugees. Mm -hmm. But he played the entire song. And everybody in the club was singing along to it. To everything. And I've never seen that before to that specific song in a club. Because, I mean, that's a pretty emotional song. It's not a very upbeat. But obviously, it's towards the end of the night. And that's, you know, when people are kind of calming down and ready to go home and yeah. whatnot. But people were singing. And, like, the entire song. And, like, I, I noticed he actually turned the volume down of the, of the music a little bit, too. And, you know. So that they could sing along. They could sing along. So, I mean, as a DJ, if you're DJing, you're all the way out there in the corner. You see all these people, you see their heads or whatever, because when the lights flash on them. Yeah. How can you sense the vibe? There's so many people. How do you feel that? I think it comes with experience. And, and also not only that, but taking chances and risks. But knowing respect, I guess, I guess as soon as he dropped that track and he, he probably just heard people going off in the chorus, right? Because in general, when you drop that track anywhere, I think people people just go off. And then knowing that, that that's a niche crowd for that type of hip hop. So they know their stuff. So mm -hmm. so he probably said, like, he's probably thinking, he's seeing he's seeing how, people, how people are interacting by the end of the night, maybe a few drinks here and there. And then, and then verse one with Lauren Hill, right? Right. People are still engaged. So you just catch a vibe. It's kind of like you talk to the crowd, they talk back. You're talking to them with the music, and they talk back. And then, uh, in in some in some cases, playing one or two verses makes so much sense. There's certain there's certain songs that I'll play um, till the second verse because it, it's either the vibe is so good, or it's such a classic verse that you're like, you know, sometimes the standout verse might be verse two. So you're gonna play right. till verse two, and um, you just catch a vibe. And like I said, I think a lot of it comes with experience, and and just knowing, knowing your crowd. It's really. It's, I'm glad that you mentioned that knowing your crowd because another note that I took last night, um, and I knew this going in. I knew that it was a back in the day party. Yeah. So I knew that the crowd would be relatively a little bit older right. uh, than me. So me, people, were, I'd say, were like in their mid thirties. Right. Um, I'm in my mid. 20, mid to late twenties. Um, so people were a little bit older. And so all my friends are around my age and we were kind of like observing. And one thing I really liked was that everybody in this club was there for the music, was there right. to have fun. I did not see a single person like, you know, show, cause when I've gone to clubs with a younger demographic, mm -hmm. a lot of times, most of the time that I've seen, it's not about the music. It's about showing off 
you know, showing yeah. that you have bottles or whatever. Turning up. Uh, turning up, showing off. <laughs> I mean, lit. You know, people trying to, you know, find, you know, either guys trying to get girls, girls trying to get guys or yeah. whatever. People trying to find people. And um, yeah, or and fights. <laughs> like a lot of the times I've been to clubs where people are there to like pick fights. And it wasn't like- <laughs> I haven't any, seen that in a long time. <laughs> I, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen a lot of parties that I've went. Not in, yeah, not yeah. in a while, but I've seen it. I've seen that people go there to pick fights. I mean, but like I said, that's but a it, younger- it happens. It's a younger demographic that I've seen that with. But For like sure. last night, like I didn't see a single per person bump into someone else. And if they did, it was like, hey, sorry, are you okay? Like it was a very- Respectful. Very, like it was cool. Like we were all observing it. Like everyone was there genuinely- for the music yeah not all the other stuff so because i mean you're a lover of music and that's why you do this because you love the music you love the art so i mean I, i'll be honest when i was like early in university i wasn't going to clubs for parties for the music i was going to i was going to meet girls that's yeah. why i was going yeah. i was going to you know get <laughs> to turn up to turn you know what i mean yeah uh, you, had, you had that, different goals in mind yeah for sure yeah it's a little bit different now Mm -hmm. um, so that's why when people would say, oh, don't go to that club. The music is this, or don't go to that club. The crowd is this. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? It's all the same thing. But now that I'm older, I can see, you know, the it's differences. It's definitely different. Yeah. So how do you feel when you're DJing in an environment and you feel like the environment's per se not healthy? Like it's, it, you know, a lot of people are maybe exhibiting some of the things that I just talked about. You know what? I, I think for me, I don't put myself in situations that I don't have fun and Lucky for me, I'm able to sort of pick and choose at this stage of my of my DJ career. So, so maybe at the beginning, even even at the beginning of of playing out, I still was sort of more particular to to where I felt comfortable or what I enjoyed. So if I don't, I won't do something that I won't that I know that I fully won't enjoy. So, for example, there's this one venue that that I played at, and I I can still play there anytime that I want, right? But I specifically told one of the the booking um one of my one of my partners who who books DJs for this particular venue I said you know I appreciate that you guys want me here and it's a great place but it's not for me and right. it's it's more of a college crowd where it's just exactly what you described they're just turning up beyond belief there's no appreciation for the music there's no appreciation well at least I didn't feel it mm -hmm. for for the skills they just want the hits. And I was just like, it's it's just not fun to me. So I kind of try and remove myself from places that aren't fun. The one place that I did see where I just, I was not DJing here, but it was a starting from scratch party. There's a 42 Supper Club and uh, Sweet Touch Foundation was also DJing. And much like your night last night, the entire crowd was singing to every single song. They knew every single song, every single word. So it was amazing to see that. And uh, I mean, how do you, if I am in a situation where where there might be, you just play to the crowd at the end of the day, but you still want to have control of what's happening. Yeah. So I there, there, was a, there was one venue that I did play at uh, years and years ago. And it was, the, the crowd there was, you know, they were entrepreneurs of a different sort. So I played, I played, <laughs> I played some Tupac and it must've been hit him up. And, and, and then the owner came to me and he said, girl, you better change that right now. Cause, cause he saw, <laughs> he saw some of, he saw some people just, just getting way too excited in the wrong way. So I changed right. it and he's like, bring it back to something else. And then I, and then I immediately did. So, 
as a DJ, you kind of have, you do have a lot of control, mm-hmm. right? Maybe not all of the control, but you set the vibe and it's up to you. To, you can make or break someone's night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. exactly it. So yeah. you're in control to a certain extent and it's up to you to, to do your job. Right, right. Yeah. But of course, a lot of things may not be in your control, but for the most part, just try and do the best you can. And um, I know that we, uh, earlier when I did your intro, we talked about competing. Right. Um, so I know you've recently taken part in some competitions, right. which I'd like for you to talk about. But also, as you mentioned the competitions that you just spoke about, I'd like you to break down how these competitions work and you know what the judges do based on. For sure. I'd be happy to talk about this. So competitions is not for everybody, you know? So it's, I know really, really talented DJs who I'm trying to convince till, till this day, yo, you need to, you need to apply for a competition. No, I don't want to do it. And, you know, I respect that. They don't, they don't want to put themselves in a situation that, that they don't want, that they're not going to have fun with, or that's just not their thing. So with the competitions for me, it all started with, because I was a scratch DJ forever before I even started playing out, I was already practicing my skills and honing, you know, my craft. So I was kind of prepping without knowing where it was going to lead. And then I was familiar with like the DMCs. I would, I would go to the DMCs. What's the, the DMC? The DMCs is one of the major, maybe one of the first DJ competitions. It stands for um, Disco Mix Club. I always, I always forget what it stands for because yeah. it's so hardcore hip hop to me. And it's so turntable that Disco Mix Club is such a, a outdated name for it. But I love, I love how it sounds, DMC World Championships. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a very, very, very niche DJ championship, which a competition, which is basically focused on turntablism. They score you on, you have to, you have to be very technically inclined. That's basically what that competition focuses on. And, um, for example, if you know, DJ Vect, he's seven time, you know, world, you know, champion for the, for the DMCs. So he, he can do any, any scratch in the book. So I did, I did the I think it was a two-minute scratch battle. That that might have been my first scratch battle. It was myself. I did some online ones too, just to get my feet wet, sort of thing. Um, and then for the live one, I was super nervous. I didn't know I didn't know anything about battling or being on stage because I just knew about being a bedroom DJ. <laughs> so when I got on stage, it was like myself and like fourteen other male competitors. I was like, right. "What the heck? Whatever. I'm just gonna do me." And then I got on stage. The person before me, they scratch hamster style. So what that means is on the mixer, the crossfader is in reverse. So typically, like if you have the crossfader on the left side, it'll play the music on the left turntable. But when you have it switched, reversed, then it plays opposite way. So when I went on stage, I, I overlooked that setting. So the crossfader was opposite of what was out what I was used to so I started doing my set and I'm like oh I don't hear any sound it's because the crossfader was on reverse so I had to freestyle half of it oh wow yeah but that was that was a good experience um for me just to get more comfortable on stage and see what everything is all about and get judged right so the criteria for DMC world for the DMC sorry I did the regionals I don't know what their criteria is. I, I, I'm more familiar with the Red Bull 3 style, which I did in 2018. So they score you on originality and creativity, technical skills, crowd reaction, and I think one more. So they kind of look at the whole picture. And, and that was my first major competition where I actually placed. So I placed third in the country. And being the first female to, to place, 
you know, I, I feel I'm, I'm humbled and I'm, and I'm grateful to have had that opportunity. And I know that recently you also did the Goldie Awards in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. So that was amazing. The Goldie Awards, I had no, I should say that for each competition that I've done, I set zero expectations in terms of I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get selected once I submit. I just, my, my thinking was more like, I'm going to put together a submission that I'm happy with and that I put in effort into. And this showcases my style and it maybe still caters to what the competition's all about, um, keeping in mind like the criteria. So for me, when it came to Red Bull, for example, I did my five minute submission and then I, I put it away. I put it on the shelf. I'm like, if I hear back, I hear back. If not, you know, I'll, I'll try again. But then when I heard back, I was like, oh, now it's crunch time because there wasn't that much time to put together a brand new 15 minute set. So mm -hmm. I used my five minute submission and then I put it, developed another 10 minutes in, in like two months, which is no time. <laughs> so, but every day I was just like trying to work on it. And then same thing with the Goldie Awards. So I put together a submission. How it works with Goldie Awards is a track will just say, you know, we're opening submissions put together a one minute video either on Instagram or YouTube. So I did that, but I was sort of, for that one, I was on the fence because I was like, I was trying to develop a few sets and I didn't like any of them. I had brand new sets, one minute sets. I'm like, I'm not feeling them. I tried to use, and I didn't want to use anything from Red Bull to recycle because I've already been judged on that stuff. So I did have my, so what I ended up doing, I actually submitted for that competition. Nobody knows this until now. I submitted for that competition competition two hours before the deadline. Wow. <laughs> and then I consulted with my sister and said, I don't know if I should submit. Like, what do you think? And she's like, you have nothing to lose. And I'm like, she's so right. She, I, do, I don't. Like, she's like, every shot. What, what's that saying? You miss 100% of every shot you yeah, don't yeah. take or something like that. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. So that, that's, my, that's my mentality now. It's yeah. like. So you got to shoot your shot. So what I ended up doing and. And a lot of my homies were like, oh, yo, you're so secretive. And I'm like, nah, I'm not secretive. It was just a decision that I made at that point in time. Like I had a down bad routine that I did yeah. using Dreamville's uh, instrumental. And, and then I did a play on that. So I posted that on Instagram and I used that video to submit. And then I just changed the caption to Goldie Awards 2019. And I'm like, this hasn't, this video has not been evaluated, but I liked it. And I was like, and it was current and I also had some old school elements and I'm like, and it showcased my skills in terms of my, my technical, um, my cutting abilities, and then sort of just the mixing abilities as well. So that's what I did for that. And my experience in New York was amazing. Yeah. I'm yeah. guessing you met a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Like when I, when I got there, I was just like, I met a lot of DJs that I already, like, we, we kind of know of each other through Instagram. Right. For example, like Beast Mode, he's all the way from Australia. But we had already been, you know, showing love on Instagram with each other's work. So then it was really dope to meet in person. So we got to meet even some of the producers. There's a beat battle. I've been to a beat battle before. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah. It's this, really cool. It was, it's crazy. There's a lot of talent in the room. It's like everyone brought something um, very unique and very... Everyone has something to bring to the table. That's all I have to say about that. And and I, I would I have to give a shout out to A Track and the whole Goldie Awards team because everything was organized amazing. Yeah. They they took care of us and they made sure that everybody was good, everything was planned ahead of time. So like shout shout out to A Track and for pushing the culture forward because it's the 
third year, I believe. It's the third year that it's the third annual Goldie Awards. So now, now having had that Red Bull experience on a national level, Goldie Awards is international level. So I'm like, all right, there's gonna be a lot more people in the room. You know, it's normal to get nervous. Yeah. But this this time around, it wasn't more of the nervousness. It was more of like we were waiting. We were waiting. The DJs were in the green room for like a nice like seven, eight hours trying to get on stage. So it's kind of, it's more of an anticipation. And then yes, when you yeah. wait so long, you start getting nervous and you're like, damn, like, let me just go on and do my set right, right, and get right. it over with. Yeah, yeah, it's like the performance anxiety kicks yeah, in. Yeah, that's what it was. And like, right. some people have it. Some people do you view don't. it as a sport? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah? Yeah, a hundred percent. And if you are a competitive person- Like the competition, I meant the competition yeah, aspect of it. Yeah, it's a sport. It's a sport? Heck yeah. yeah. Yeah, heck yeah. And it just like- I always just go back to Michael Jordan. Yeah. I, I watch a lot of his videos and even with Kobe Bryant, I watch a lot of his videos and any sort of documentary because I'm a fan of both. And Michael Jordan was just so competitive and he would always say, it's just in my competitive nature to be like this, you know? He just wants to be a winner. He wants to be that person. So that's how I view it when I go into the DJ arena. It's just like, you know, you definitely want to be the best person you can be. For me, it's like, I want to be the best DJ I can be. Right. And I want to continue to evolve and be better than I was last year. I want to be better than I was last week, you know? Right. So I'm I'm made, I'm super competitive against myself first. And then I'm competitive against the people around me because it's all healthy, mm -hmm. right? I actually want to ask that, Leigh. So anyone who's listening who might be thinking about competition, because I know a lot of people don't want to compete. They feel like, I'm, you know, it takes away from the art. I no. want you to tell people, like, is there still a community within, uh, within the competition? Oh, 100%. I, I 100%. And I think it's all friendly and healthy competition. And of course, I always say, like, I hate you guys all coming up, you know, leading up to the competition, but I also love you guys. <laughs> but it's just, you know what? When you prepare for, for, for battle, it's literally, it makes you 10 times better, I feel, because it's, it forces you to create under pressure, to create new material, to practice like no tomorrow. Because like with me, I have what HRI calls obsessive focus. So when I was preparing for these competitions, and you learn a lot about yourself, so I definitely knew what I needed to do for the Goldie Awards that I picked up from um, Red Bull. And I learned a lot from that experience. So, so I learned a lot about what, what works for me, what style is good for me. What does the Goldie crowd being in New York probably want to hear? Like what you have to take into account many things, but it, it just makes you a better DJ overall. And on top of that, you're contributing to this overall culture, which is so beautiful. And you're pushing you're pushing it forward. So for me to do that, I'm, I'm more than happy to continue competing. So you've, uh, and I've, I've seen on Instagram that you've gotten some co-signs from some pretty uh, well-known DJs. So I know Static Selecta. Yes. Uh, but uh, that, that was cool. And um, also I saw DJ Premier had uh, yeah. re reposted something you did. So when it came to, shout out to Static Select, I want to, you know, he's a crazy producer and a DJ, amazing DJ, DJ first, and then he became a producer, but I love his work. And, and before we got to connect, I would just, my, some of my favorite um, producers 
are my favorite producers because I love their work and I love to scratch on their work. So Ninth Wonder being one of them, Primo and Static. So Static is so funky and he just has a very soulful vibe. I love the way he, I love all his production. So I have a ton of his instrumentals. What I did was use one of his instrumentals and I put Brandy vocals on it. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. And then that, that just went crazy on Instagram. Cause like sometimes I'll post very technical stuff to showcase the scratching skills. This one was more of like, if you hear what I'm trying to put out there, then, and if you feel it, then you'll react. And people did react. And then I might've tagged him. I think I did tag him and he might, he saw it and he's like, yo, this is dope. Mm. And then when I actually put out the remix itself, I had to use a different instrumental because I didn't have his, that previous instrumental that I originally did it on, but it ended up working out well. And then, um, he's like, this is, he said, this is dope. Like send me it. <laughs> and then we, we kind of got connecting from there and got to kick it with him. And, um, after the Goldie Awards too. Was, was Static Select though? Yeah. Yeah. Super dope, super skilled, like mad respect to him. So actually, I want to tell you a story. The first album I ever bought in my life was actually Gangstar's Moment of Truth. Oh man, such a crazy good album. Now, now, okay, now just to just to make it clear, I don't want to act like I was this hardcore Gangstar fan. Yeah. Um, then that's why I bought it. The story behind it, I mean, I'm sure when I was a kid, like my parents might have bought me something. Mm-hmm. But I think I was like in grade 10 at the time and like this, I just got a job. So I finally had some money. Right. Um, and I, I hadn't really, I hadn't bought a CD before. So... I don't know, this one day I was just on YouTube and going through random songs and somehow I came across Gangstar's Moment of Truth and whatever, like that song, I don't know what it was, but like, like whatever I was going through at that moment at that time and like at that, at that second, that song just captured it. Moment like, of Truth? Yeah, like yeah. The, 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 like the opening vocals, um, the same shasty cast that you hang with. Uh, what Cause wet you up, cause set you up and wet you up. Peep the language, it's universal. You play a fire, it may hurt you. Yeah. We yeah. almost face, we all we all must face our moment of truth. I love that song. Yeah. So whatever it was like I was going through at that moment in time, like that song just captured it. So I bought it. I went to HMV a couple of days later and I bought it. Um that's kind of how I got it. I, I got found out about DJ Premier. I remember DJ Premier, um, he had a beat on there, it was crazy. It was work. Are you yeah, working? Yeah. What kind of work <laughs> what do you kind do? of work you do? I remember that was, that was a crazy yeah I that love was a crazy that beat so um it's crazy when like um you know when when producers and djs can find their own sound and a sound that defines them but you did talk about djs that are making that transition uh into pr- production how does like right. how, do, how does one do that it's all organic to me so right now that's what i'm doing too because a lot of the stuff that i'm trying to compose as a dj live I I'm li- I can I can do a lot of it, but I'm also limited to an extent because you can't do certain things live that you can do behind the computer. So for me, I, I, my my goal and my reason for wanting to go into production is because I truly enjoy the music, so I want to continue with it in a different way, and it'll just allow me to be, you know, more creative and expand my. I don't know. I whatever whatever ideas that I have in my mind that I want to make in real life, production will allow for that. And then still still sticking to the script. Shouts out to Gangstar. And still sticking to my style. So 
it's just fun. At the end of the day, it's all fun and it feels good. So as a DJ, everything I do is it's fun. The music feels good. And I'm going to continue with that. And with the production, how do people get into it? Like I said, it's organic. So if it makes sense and, and you think if it's fun to you and you want to continue doing it, you know, you can now explore this other avenue to do music, but in a different way. Do you think it's confusing when some DJs, some producers call themselves DJ, like DJ whatever, and like, wait, I thought you were DJ, but you're a producer, but you're, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's more common in the, let's say the EDM field or, or. Yes. Because there's, there's, there's been producers, they make their own music, but they're not necessarily DJs. They'll just play their stuff at festivals. Like I, I've, I've heard a lot of incidences where, a producer making their own music will just be at a festival and they play a pre-made mix, a mm. pre-recorded mix. Or if they're doing it live, it's just poorly mixed. So you gotta you gotta be mindful of, you know, who you are at the end of the day. Right now, for me, I'm a DJ. I'm DJ T Jr. I'm a student of production. I'm a student. So I'm not gonna be out here saying I'm I'm a producer. I'm a student right now. I'm learning the ropes and I'm practicing that skill because if I get in a studio, I know what I'm going to bring to the table at this at this stage, right? But that's just that's me. That's what I want to do right now. So I think I think people have to be mindful of you know, their role. But it does happen. It's a little bit strange because it's it's kind of like, okay, you you aren't doing what an actual DJ is doing. You, you're not mixing the two tracks correctly. You know, there's there's a lot more. I just don't want people to be out there thinking that they they can, if they have two turntables and they're subscribed to a record pool, that that makes you a DJ. There's a lot that goes into it. You have to be passionate about it. You have to know music. You have to have a great, you know, music knowledge base. That's very important to becoming a good DJ. And on top of that, you have to practice this skill every day, if not every other day. Just make sure you practice it. And what does that practice look like? Practice comes in many forms. So to me, what does practice mean? It means it means doing your research, reading up on old music, new music. You know, I'm always doing my research. I'll, for example, I was talking to my friend yesterday and I said, I brought up George Clinton, who's a mega super artist, producer. He's fire. Like he's he's the funk master Jones and like, you know, just like I was just reading up on him and watching his interviews to hear his perspective on things. And and you can always learn something from someone. So that's that's what I like doing. That's what practice, that's what, that's like mental practice. And then physical practice, me getting on the turntables and practicing a new scratch or some beat juggling or maybe practicing a mix, like a clever mix that I want to do with some wordplay, right? With no distractions. So if you're practicing, you're practicing for this amount of time, no distractions. So on a technical standpoint, you definitely want to do that. And then on another another level, you want to make sure your music is organized a certain way so that when you're, you know, you want to be up to date with what people want and, and of course what you want. I would say, you know, those are those are a few ways that I make sure that I'm on top of my game as a DJ. So one question I really did want to ask you, we, we briefly touched on it at the beginning, but I said we'd come back to it. Yeah. What type of um, adversary, adversity do females face in this line of work? What's it like being a female in this line of work? So 
I've I've always tried to not look at it from that perspective, but the bottom line is I am a female in this kind of line of work and and it is more rare to find a female in the turntablist line of work, but there are a lot of really dope females that are competing and stuff and that are turntablists. So from my experience, I've felt a lot of love from the, the community here, the community outside of Canada. So in like New York, everywhere, everywhere, like I, the UK. So I, I can't even complain. Like most people come correct. They, you know, it's kind of like whatever energy you put out there is the energy that you get back is what I always say to people. So you know, I just want to be authentic in what I do. That's always been my goal. I want to stick to the music. And then, and then uh, the only, I guess the adversity that we feel we face as a female is getting judged on image versus the talent. So like a recent example, I'll, I'll give you two examples. So there's always, there's always cases where they may doubt your skills if they don't know you, for example. So even for me, for a recent gig, I got referred by someone to do, to cover a gig that this individual couldn't do. I said, of course, I got you. Um, and it was a venue that I've actually wanted to play at. It's a club. And then um, I was slated to play the entire night, um, 10 to 2. And then and then I, they, they, do, they do have like a buffer time of playing after the 2 a.m. mark at this particular venue. But as soon as I got there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go there early. I'm going to introduce myself. Um, there's probably a bunch of managers or owners, this and that. I'm going to set up, make sure there's no issues, no technical issues. Because when you go to a venue for the first time, you just don't know what you're going to run into. So you just want to be mindful of that. And then um, I got there. I set everything up really quick. I met a few people that... Some were owners, some were managers, but there's one particular guy that came out to me and a few times too. And he's like, are you opening tonight? I said, no, I'm, I'm here for the whole night. He's like, do you know what to play? <laughs> I said, yeah, I've been doing this a long time. I, I know what to play. And he's like, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. And then, <laughs> and then I'm just like, I don't know what he's trying to get at. And then he's like, he's just trying to, he's just trying to put me, she's trying to put me down trying to say like I can guarantee you that if any male walked into there he would not have said those things to him I can guarantee he's just seeing me go in there he's never met me being a female he's probably skeptical like oh does this girl even know what to play does she even does she even know what she's doing does she know how to use the equipment blah 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 blah. I didn't let that get to me because I know who I am and I I I know that I do this so I'm just like I'm just gonna stick to what I know and just the night's gonna go fantastic because I know what the hell I'm doing you know I'm a professional and then uh we we deal with a lot of these like side comments there's a lot of sexist comments as well unfortunately but you just gotta let them know how to come at you and how, how to not come at you and stand up for yourself as a female stand up for yourself and don't ever feel sorry for doing that even if it means losing a gig, I, I honestly stick by that. There's one gig where I, I felt I got very, very disrespected and I didn't appreciate it. And I made a point of it afterwards to whoever the manager was. And I haven't been there since. So these are just some of the things that come come with being in an industry. But don't, uh, don't let, you know, be a good person, but don't let people step all over you. There's adversity. And then, and there's a, people will judge you based on just your image. So you know, like I said, the sexist comments and this and that. So it just, it just depends. 
But for the most part, I'll say, you know, that I keep that stuff in line. So people come correct. Like I said, keep it to the music and everything is good. As long as you're authentic about what you're doing in your music, then I think you're good. You definitely brought up some great points there. You said, even if it means losing a gig, like I think that's very important. It really, really shows what you, um, of, of, you know, where you stand. Are you meeting a lot more female and female DJs across the city or even different cities that you go to? I definitely think there are a lot more in the scene now that there were even three years ago. So I am meeting a lot more. Definitely still the ratio between the males versus the females is, is still a big difference. But I, I might meet one here or there every new city I go to. There's more coming up in Toronto, I'd say. For, for me, again, like I want to, I definitely want to promote DJing to, to people who are interested. Like whether you're a male or female, if you're real about it, then then I'm cool with you. If you're, even if you're a guy and you're not real about it, then it, it doesn't matter where you're a guy, girl, this, you know, just, just be, just be good at it. Right. Just be good at it. Whatever you want to do, just be good at it. But it is nice to see more females in this field because I think before it was more of a fear factor. For women, like, you know, I'm the only girl in the room. And I felt like that for a long time, even when we had turntablism. Sorry, turntable. Yeah, turntablism sessions. It'd be all guys. And then I would have to go on and showcase my skills. Just This is just for fun. But it allowed me to break in, you know, break in and kind of get more comfortable in front of any type of crowd. So that's definitely important. Definitely. So... I, I always say, and, and any turntablist will say this to you, a turntablist is a DJ, but a DJ is not necessarily a turntablist. So a turntablist is a very specialized type of DJ. So very focused on technical aspects of DJing. So cutting and scratching, beat juggling, these sorts of things. Um, and with that, you can sort of exp ex ex explore different areas of DJ. Um, of DJing and sort of creatively you can you can go further with it because you have these technical skills so you can scratch and then echo bring it to something else just small things but um a DJ like a DJ just playing out in, in in clubs and stuff like that the majority of DJs are not turntableists and that is not to say that they're lesser of a DJ it's just saying they're in a different domain right. yeah so so if anyone out there who's not very familiar with any of these things want to know the difference, well, turntablist is very specialized in the technical aspects of DJing. Um, and then a DJ is, you know, party rocking, um, mixing tracks together, blending them together and providing that experience for the listener. That's that's definitely knowledge for me too because I, I I never knew what the difference was between, between the two terms. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So thanks for that. But, um, you know, well, you, you definitely talked about a lot of the stuff that some of the adversities you, you mentioned. It's funny because a, a, a friend and I were having a conversation a couple weeks back and I remember he, like we both kind of said this, but he always said to me, he's like, man, I wish when I was in university, you know, I became a DJ. It would have been such, such a good life. You know, I'm partying and I'm making money and, you know, I'm always around fun stuff and this and whatever. And, but it, that's what we see. Mm -hmm. You know, what don't we see? Like what happens in the life of a DJ? What are some of the growing pains? You know, what are we not seeing? Because we see the fun stuff. This is an amazing question. And every time I have people that come up to me and say, yo, you're so lucky. You got this. You got this this job as a DJ. You're so lucky. And I'm just like, I don't even believe in that word. Um, 
luck because it's like you create your own luck and and the harder you work the more luck you create of course there's luck luck to me is like winning a lottery you know what i mean but working hard is what it's actually all about and um the stuff behind the scenes is like only the real homies see it and only the real people who are in it understand the grind that's what we say i'll tell you this as a dj there's a lot of you got to be okay with doing almost everything by yourself you know there's going to be days and nights where you have zero help with anything. Nobody's going to be there to hold your hand to tell you, like, you got to bring this, this, and this to your next gig. You got you to gotta bring two technique turntables and freaking a mixer. You know, you got to haul that from your crib to this venue, bring speakers. So it's like there's a physical aspect to it in, in some cases. There's a lot of late nights. There's a lot of stuff that you might have to deal with in terms of, business relations, trying to manage certain relationships. You, ha you have to know how to communicate. So you're you're sort of trying to play, you, you're wearing many hats. You're trying to be a, like, trying to brand yourself. You're trying to be your own social media manager, producer. You're, you're your own assistant. You know, you have to know how to craft. It goes down to the details. You have to know how to craft an email and talk to people. So it's it's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes to make this work. You got to be okay with being alone. You got to be okay with being tired, but just push through, just push through. And uh, you got to just work hard. And it's, it's for people with like, who are passionate about it, but you have to have a tough skin. You know, when it comes to like speakers and a lot of the equipment, like the DJs usually own their own speakers, own their own turntables. Um, there's some, well, return days, I'm guessing they own, but right. what's rented and usually and what's per, what's owned? I say most DJs have some sort of equipment to DJ with, for example, a controller. It's not expected today that every DJ is going to have the techs. Like you said, that's the turntable is that that's a given to us. Like we have to have the techs at home, the 1200s, it's just a staple. <laughs> and, uh, and then the mixer, if, if you have turntables you're going to have a mixer but i'd say a lot of djs these days have their they have their controllers which is a smaller unit that's compact and mobile you can bring it anywhere when it comes to speakers monitors and and all that stuff most of the time people will rent it i actually have my own because a few years ago i just figured i was tired of renting i'm like i'm actually losing money right now and a lot of the gigs that i had required them or it was too much hassle to to try and go back and forth trying to rent I just, I just didn't even want to deal with um, the thought of me pulling up to the store, going inside and then having to deal, deal with the paperwork to rent, then taking the freaking speakers, bringing it back. I was just like, this hassle, I'm going to just go on Kijiji right quick and find some really dope speakers. I bought some K12s and they're, they're heavy. Let me say that's, that's another thing. So if you're a DJ that doing it all, then, you know, you know you're carrying a lot of this stuff and you need a, one of those little trolleys and but I would say most people will rent the the speakers but they do have a unit at home just to either practice or bring out to venues more venues these days have have equipment there but yeah, yeah DJs should if you don't have your own equipment you should just I mean if you're in college just use some of that money you know Right, the OSAP money. <laughs> Take your OSAP and put it towards <laughs> work. Get two summer jobs like I did and just buy your freaking turntables. <laughs> yeah, no. Long McQuaid, I'm guessing, might be a good place to Definitely. Long McQuaid. Yeah. 
There's smaller shops too, like Moog Audio downtown. Um, DJ you, Depot. Yeah, you can literally rent anywhere. It's just, you know, it depends what kind of gig you're doing, but just got to plan that stuff ahead of time because a lot of the stores might be closed on certain hours. But yeah, a lot of the hard work is definitely a lot of work that happens behind the scenes that people will never see, but you only know about it because you go through it. And what are the hours like usually? Because I know that DJs usually work a lot of late nights, mm -hmm. but yeah, like what are, what does that usually look like? And I know that there's certain nights out of the year that are, you know, like the, the, like the, like the gold mines, the ones that everyone wants to work like New Year's Eve, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, talk about that. When it comes to the hours, like I, like I said before, it, it depends on the type of gig. I like my hours being not too late. So to me, a late night would be till 2 a.m., which I don't take those ones on too often. Yesterday, I played till 11.30 p.m. The night before, I played till it might have been 10.30. Other gigs might be like a 9 to 1. My gigs are sort of like 9 p.m. to 1 a.m., 7.30 to 11.30, 6.30 to 10.30. Um, next week, I have one from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. So these are beautiful hours in my, in my book because... It allows you to do what you need to do. You still have fun. You still have the day to do what you need to do. Right. Um, but you know what? Another important aspect to me is rest. So for me, I know how my body works. And if if I sleep too late, then I'm, it doesn't matter how many hours I get. I'm already tired the next day. Actually, I don't like using that word. But, it, but it's we do get tired as DJs. But rest is important. So if you're playing out to like 2 a.m., Every single night. I know some DJs that purely do club club gigs. So that means that they're putting their bodies through a lot of pressure and stress. And a lot mm -hmm. of it's unnatural for people to go to bed at like 4 a.m. every day. Course, yeah. Right? So that's just, it goes back down to science. Like your circadian rhythm works a different way. Right. The hours can, the hours can vary. Corporate hours might be, might end earlier, whereas the club hours are going to end late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then New Year's Eve. How is it DJing on New Year's Eve? I've never done any crazy, crazy jams on New Year's Eve. It's more like uh, a venue wants sort of like a private event and then they hire me. It's not it's not my favorite time of year <laughs> to DJ because it's very demanding in terms of, the, the, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the, the clubs and the, or even the venues and they want certain things. They want everything to be like this, like that. There's a lot of requests. Right. Because a lot of people are drinking. So they're coming up to you like, <laughs> we want this, we want this. Everything right. is like instant. And you're like, I'm not playing this. Or what I usually say is, yeah, yeah, I got you. And then that'll make them go away faster. <laughs> you're just like, yeah, yeah, I got you. You cannot get through a drunk person. I don't care what anyone says. You only, you just have to say, yeah, yeah, you, I, I'll play that. And sometimes the request might be good, but most times it's on New Year's Eve, <laughs> it's definitely not. Yeah. yeah. So any sort of major event, like even when it comes like Halloween parties, to me is not it's never been like I'll do them, but they're not they're not my favorite events. It just seems like like New Year's is like the night that everybody wants to work. Cause is it true you can make the most amount of money it's on that? It's premium, night? yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's premium. So you definitely wanna double down on that stuff. Yeah, it makes Capitalize sense. Capitalize on it. It's one day and like yeah. it's amazing. It's just, it's yeah. just a night. Yeah. It's, it's just a you night. You get to make people's night and ring in the New Year's and, yeah. and still you're the one that's um making money yeah and <laughs> i wanted to ask like how does because you know like when we do refer to you know being a dj in in the, in the world of the club in the club world 
You are often working Friday nights, Saturday nights, late nights. Mm -hmm. um, and for all your friends and family who aren't in this line of work and probably are working the corporate nine to five, that's their time to go and hang out. So how does that affect your social life knowing that, you know, when everyone else wants to kind of party or hang out, you're working? Yeah. Well, I don't party. So, which is probably weird to hear because people hit me all the time. They're like, where's the hottest new party this weekend? Yeah. And, that is just, kind of, yeah, that's and then every time I'm like... Yo, I'm the wrong person to ask. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't go out like that. Like all my friends and all my really, really close friends are actually in the industry. Right. Yeah. And I can, who I keep a tight circle. So we're all in the same mind frame and, and time frame too. So we understand each other. You know, my closest friends are all DJs and producers and engineers and artists all, all within this realm. So my best friends are all, in the, we're all in the same field. We understand each other. You know, whether it's like gigging together or late night studio sessions, that's right. where I enjoy. So if I do have, if I do have a night off, that's where you're going to find me. I'm definitely not out there partying. That's, I think that's more of like when I was much younger, high school sort of thing or, or right. university. But how I have my fun now is, is totally different from, and it's always going to be music related for me, which is hard for people to understand because they're, they can't grasp that. That's my way of having my enjoyment. Right. And the hours are very different. Yeah. So it's difficult to even like, you won't, it's hard to catch me at like birthdays, you know, the regular stuff that people do, like <laughs> birthdays. I just went to my first baby shower in years on the weekend. And then my sister looks over at me. She's like, yo, can you not look so bored? And I'm like, I. I was like, I I'm not bored. Like I just like my mind, I was thinking about other things. Right. I was still enjoying myself, but your mind's thinking about the music, which is, that's where, that's where it's like, it's difficult. Cause like once you're in music, you're in it for life, which I have no regrets, but um, makes it different to socialize in that way. Cause people's way of socializing is different. They want to do these like cool adventures and go to, I don't know. Well, I guess the way I'm looking, I'm just looking at it from the hour standpoint, right? Yeah. If a lot of times you're, we're working, you know, weekends, that's the time that a lot of other people have off and, you know, they can't hang out with you because you're working. But you mentioned that, you know, your community is consisted of your, yeah. your, your friend circles consisted of the people in your community that yeah. are, you And know, when it wasn't, when it wasn't, it was a, it was a strange time because it's like, so my sister and I are a year apart and we sort of have the same social circle. She knows my friends and I know hers and we're all cool. But during the time where I wasn't so deep into the music and it was sort of that transition period, going going out, like the, the hours that her friends would be like, you know, where's, well, they call me Steph. So they're like, where's Steph? My sister's like, she's DJing. And then the next time they go, where's Steph? She's DJing. Can, just tell her to come out. And she's like, she's working. Like that, the, the hours are definitely conflicting, mm -hmm. but then it's also a priority thing. So for me, it was like, I'm prioritizing myself and my music over all these activities that are, you know, that could be fun, but they're not really contributing to, to me and my, in the bigger picture. So you really have to be disciplined and it sucks because you're going to miss out on a lot. You're going to miss out on social things. You're going to miss out on birthdays and you may hurt some feelings in the process, but they, that's a them problem. Right. Um, it, it's, um, it's interesting because me and my friend, we were having the same conversation a few weeks back. We all, it all came down to, oh, but what happens when you have a family? What happens when you have a family and you mm -hmm. have kids and, you know, you need to spend time with your family, but you're out DJing. So what can you tell us about those, about that? Because it seems like a misconception. That, yeah. And that's different. And that's 
When it comes to family and close friends, I do, I will make time where, where I wouldn't otherwise. So for example, like Sundays, I'm not normally DJing. So I'll go and see my family and my parents or kick it with some close friends for a bit, but definitely trying to make time for that because those moments you'll never get back. You know what I mean? So it's important to make time for those that you love. Like there's a, there's a Nipsey hustle line where he's like, make time for your folks. And I, I always think about that because he, he was a hustler, but he, he knew his priorities Like you have to make time for, for your family. Right. And whatever works for, for them and you. Yeah. But when it comes to the, if, when I'm ready for a family in terms of having kids, things will be very different. I, st- I've seen people who are DJs on the come up and then once they had kids, they were in the calm down. <laughs> you know? <Calm> down. <laughs> They're in the calm down. I was like, oh yeah. shoot, this is not good news. But it's like, I, I don't, it's a lot of responsibility. So it's, yeah. I think if you have a child, make it happen for yourself. Continue, do as, do as you much gotta, as you can. <laughs> you're going to have to start doing the uh, high school dances and the, uh, <laughs> the children's birthday parties and stuff. <laughs> right? That's why it's important to explore. Playing like over the rainbow. I can see a rainbow and all those songs. <laughs> Hell no. That's going to be a new I, That is not going to be me. <laughs> oh my God. That's what you know is over. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who make good money doing that though. Yeah. Well, again, it's like you have to know who you are because... Yeah. For me, my mentality is always, I'm going to make it work no matter what. And um, I always think it's important not to put all your eggs in one basket. So if I'm relying on just DJing, you know, me being a female and having kids is different than, a, it's it's a little bit different and puts more pressure on me than a male having kids because of course. the woman is going to spend more time with a baby. So for me, it's, I can't be out in late nights unless I have the baby strapped to me on the side like but still the baby needs sleep and certain needs certain needs so for me it's going to be a lot different and the baby's going to have a lot of attention and that's the priority but because DJing is going to be put to not put this aside but I can't commit as much time to it because of this then I have to be ready for you know other other opportunities but you have to build those opportunities so like Let's just say I get into production and then now I'm able to spend time with baby, but still make music because I'm not out. I can produce any time of the day or you can, you can record an artist any time of the day. You'll have those sessions. Right. So whatever you do, don't, don't rely on just one, one job or one source of income type of thing. Try and try and explore other avenues and just be ready for those things. But preparation is important. Have you thought about this? Like, have you? About one day having kids and what's your, what you're going to do with that. <laughs> always. Yeah. Always. You can see like it's strategically planned because people. It's human. Are, we all think about these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a thinker. If there's one thing I am, I'm like very deep thinker. So I'm always, my mind's always like, in, you know, the gears are always running. So always, always thinking, but not just that. It's always acting. You always have to act on your ideas and make sure that they come to life. Yeah, for sure. Um I, I would I would make sure I'm in the best position pos- possible because I could I've gone this far with music I don't ever want to say bye to it just because of this you know right. I guess we'll figure it out when it comes exactly <laughs> exactly there's no yeah, yeah. you just got to figure it out when it comes how'd you get the name T Junior T Junior so T is the first letter of my last name and then Junior like I said the first boss that I had DJ Z. At one point, my sister also worked for him. She, Since she's older, he'd call me junior and he'd call her senior. And then, you know, over the system, he'd be like, T, 
come here, do this, this, and this, or junior. So he called me both. He never called me Steph or Stephanie. He'd always call me T or junior. And I'm like, that sounds kind of, that's kind of, kind of dope. Right, right. I was like, because like DJ Steph is kind of corny, you know, it just like, it's blah, you know, it, it doesn't sound interesting. And then I liked how it also had a battle aspect to it. It sounded like a battle name to me and it also sounded ambiguous. So when I got on stage, people didn't necessarily know that T Jr. is a girl. And then they kind of be like, oh, shoot, that's cool. Yeah. So that's how my name came about. It's it's still me, but in a different, you know, most of the time I am T Jr. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's one question that actually just came to mind. I'm curious. For sure. I'm curious. And, um, but I mean, I, I'm Indian. Yeah. So like I know growing up, whenever I used to hear mixes with like, you know, old school Bollywood or old school Hindi or Punjabi songs. Mm -hmm. And I used to hear it mixed with like modern, you know, hip hop or whatever. I'd go crazy. I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. I remember one time my sister gave me this mix CD and somebody mixed like this old school uh, Hindi song with Jay-Z's On to the Next One. And it was mixed like oh, okay. really well. I, I thought that was cool. And I, I like it sometimes if I go to like a party, like, I mean, obviously when I go to Indian weddings and Indian parties, I hear it all the time, but sometimes I will hear it outside of them. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Now I do know you're Macedonian. Yeah. Have you ever thought about incorporating some, some type of Macedonian music into what you're already spinning? I have thought about it. Uh, haven't, I haven't done it in a regular type, type thing. Um, the the what the first time I sort of incorporated it, which I in my mind still sort of counts, is in my Red Bull set, in my Red Bull three style set, I was like, damn, I have 15 minutes to do this. So I, I definitely have to bring something unique. And there is a there's this DJ who who does Balkan remixes. So Macedonia is considered part of the Balkans. And there is this sort of we have certain instruments that we use in music, but the bag of pipes is one of them. We we have we're heavy on like the clarinet, the saxophone, um, all this stuff. So I forget which instrument was in this particular track, but it stood out a lot to me, and it was in key with what the previous song was. So I just brought a snippet of it, and it sounded like a horn. So I played it, and then I cut it and brought in a KRS remix, mm -hmm. "Sound of the Police." So I was like, that's my way of like having brought in my flavor and and my ethnicity into into my mixes but the way that i actually want to explore this more is on the production side of things that'd be cool yeah i think if you if i were to sample a certain record i think it'd be really dope and, and unique because i haven't really heard it in north america at least so you definitely want to bring that out there for sure for sure that'd be cool i mean i was actually writing songs for a while and my way oh were of, you yeah <laughs> yeah i was i'll send them, i'll send some to you um but yeah like my way of like what I, how I view the songs and even with this podcast storytelling is uh, storytelling has always been my my way of like I guess with music it's like my soundtrack to my life mm -hmm. uh, my way of you know displaying myself to to the universe and hearing I guess you know through storytelling you're visually um, you're, you're saying it out loud right uh, through a film you're visually saying it and through music you're letting people hear it. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like your playlist is a, is, is a soundtrack to your life? And that's what people are, they're getting to know you through your set? 100%. And that's why I keep it always to the music because I don't really even have to say much. I just want this music to speak for me because since a young age, I I guess I used it as a form of expression. And I loved it so much because that's that's how I was able to express myself the most. And 
and get to deeper emotions and trying to, if I didn't want to talk about something, that's how I would do it. I would, I would, I would practice scratching or listen to a hip hop song with that sort of tapped into the feelings that I was feeling, you know? So the interesting thing about you bringing up storytelling is that a lot of people will come up to me and say, like your DJ sets make sense. And then every time they say that, I'm like, what do you mean by that? They're like, it feels like a story. So you have like an intro, then you have your body, then you have your out, right. you know, the conclusion. So that to me is a, a huge compliment because that means my sets make sense. And whatever I'm trying to express, they're understanding it. The way that I'm trying to present it is the way that it's actually getting out there. And even when it came to the Goldie Awards, uh, one of the judges that I spoke to after, there's only there's only one winner in the Goldie Awards. So it's like eight contestants. There's one winner and the rest, there's no second place or third place. It's just first place, right? So she goes, you know, your your set was super dope. Like it, She's like, you're so musical. We think you had the most musical set and it feels like a story. And I'm like, that's who I am. And like, people can just catch that vibe. I'm very... I just want my stuff to flow. Right. And I want it to be, I want each concept to tie into the next, not to go over people's heads. I mean, sometimes it might, and that's just the artist thing in us. But, you know, for the most part, I want it to flow and make sense and have a overall story. I'm trying to tell you something without saying it. That's a beautiful way to say it. I'm trying to tell you something without saying it. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think a great story does is that you don't, it's like you subliminally tell people, what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's the beauty of storytelling. It doesn't always have to be someone standing on stage telling a story. It could be told through song. It could be told through a drama. It could be told, in your case, through your playlist. Yeah. Um, it could be told through, through many, many ways. Honestly, the, the creatives will understand you the most because this is how we choose to express ourselves. And it's the, the way of expression that makes most sense. So I'm actually not... With, with the general people, if you're if you're not like one of my close friends, then then I just ask you to to listen if you want to get to know me, if you don't know me. And sometimes there's hidden messages and you can actually pick up on and you'll get to know me much more that way than maybe even by just talking to me. But the music tells a lot. But like you said, the storytelling thing is huge. And if you if you're just true to yourself, then that's all you need. You'll go much further because you're just being authentic about it. And I think that's cool. Like if someone were to come to one of your gigs, somebody who's never heard of you before, never seen you, never heard anything, feels your, really feels your, your playlist and comes up to you after and says, hey, I really, you know, that really impacted me. I really relate to this. I like this song and you guys can connect. I think that's a genuine relationship that can, you know, that can, that can create from there because it shows that you have something in common yeah. without knowing that prior to exactly and so and most of the time it's like someone you would have never expected you're like yeah damn I, I like even last night uh there's a table next to me and I was just like I heard them say the word DJ and I'm like you know sometimes people blah 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 you talking about DJs and maybe they want a new song so I thought they were just talking about like maybe they wanted some other music than what I was playing at that moment but then by the end of it because they weren't paying no attention and their, bo their body language was against me. So I was just like, maybe they don't, they're not feeling the vibes, but I didn't really care because it was fun and a lot of the other people were. But at the end of the night, one of them came up to me and he's like, I want to hire you for some events. He's like, we really enjoyed your music. So you cannot ever judge. You don't ever judge people because you just never know who you're going to connect with or, right. or where your music is going to travel in terms of like where it's going to take 
the vibes, you know, it's all about the vibes. It's, it's no, it's no joke. <laughs> Perhaps like we've lost that ability to to show that 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 part of ourselves. Yeah. Or for whatever reason, and then it just like you said, you didn't expect this person to to like what you did because yeah, you weren't exactly. you weren't seeing that from them, but then they later showed it to you. So yeah, I mean that that's a deeper conversation for, for sure. <laughs> for sure, for, for what it you is. You just like, but the main point being. Don't judge people because number one, you don't know who you're going to relate to or connect to. And at the same time, just be a kind person because you don't know what another person's ever going through. Right. But yeah. music heals. And and this is actually a scientific fact. But, but at the same time, it it's just a beautiful, it's just so beautiful. Like I love music. I From the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, everything in between is music. And like, yeah. Half the time, like when my sister's talking to me, she's like, are you even listening? And I'm like, yeah, I'm listening. And she'll make me repeat <laughs> really it. And I'm not. like, I'll repeat like half of it. I'm like, sorry, I was just checking out this new song, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, or reading on this. So it's all about the music to me. Right. Um, you, I mean, you've been doing this for, I think, what, 10 years now? I bought my turntables in 2010. Um, and then for, for the majority of time, maybe for five, six years, I was just, you know, practicing at home studying this and that and then my first gig playing out might have been four years ago mm -hmm. so but I've been a DJ for for around that time so I've been definitely putting in my work do you plan to ever start teaching a course on this for sure for sure this is definitely um, something that I look forward to in the future and I would say just keep an eye and ear out for it because it's definitely something that's going to definitely happen and I also do private lessons oh cool yeah so students will come to my place to learn you know the fundamentals of DJing and then take them sort of throughout the DJ journey or we can go to to their place to learn that's pretty cool and teach yep that's great that's yeah. really interesting I, I didn't even know that was a thing but I yeah. learned that today um well we've we've a, I mean I've learned quite a lot about you today um, I know that you uh, had some put some feelers out there for some some people in your community to ask some questions. So I'd be more than happy to to get that out of here if, if anyone has any questions. Yeah, for sure. So I have a few questions here. Okay. I don't know if I should put people's names up, but they're no, all you don't, you they're don't all to, they're all really dope questions. You don't have to put their names. Shout out, out to Heck, who's actually a chef. He's like a chef connoisseur in the city. Hibachi Heck asks me, in what ways has your love for music influence your purpose as a dj wow mm, that's pretty deep <laughs> wow it was so deep that i was like i didn't even know how to read it this is a very this is a can we save this one as a last question yeah we'll I, come back to it that is an amazing i might screenshot this that's a great question heck shout out to you then, then we have a next question when is your next competition and what keeps you motivated this is a great question so with the major dj competitions they happen once a year right now at this point the only one that's, I believe, is ongoing at the moment is Red Bull 3 Style. And I did not submit this year because I had my priorities focused on, on on other aspects of DJing and production and audio engineering. So I wanted to spend my time a little differently. As you know, preparing for a competition takes a lot of time and work. A lot. I can't stress that enough, and a lot of practice. So, so I would say, you know, I haven't decided which competitions or what competition I want to do in 2020, but it's, it's definitely in, in the future outlook of mine. It kind of gets addictive because you're like, I want, I want to keep getting better. And I want to, I want to, 
if I do Red Bull, for example, I want to get better than third place. You know, you want to get second or first so that you can compete on the international stage and represent the country. So these are all motivating factors. What keeps me motivated on a daily basis is just like maybe my routine, may, maybe my mentality, but it's always just like I know that the more work that you put into something, you're always going to get a positive result because there's there's no way that you can have a negative result the more work you put in. That's just not the way it works. Like you work for something, you become better and then you get results. That's just how simple it is. What, what motivates me is like, no matter how small a task or big a task, I love being productive. I don't know how to rest. And that's, that's maybe a, something I have to focus on in the new, new year is doing that. Maybe you have to do some yoga or something, but because <laughs> like rest is actually a part of this whole thing. But being productive is very motivating for me. Becoming better is very motivating for me. Keeping sharp, keeping my skills on point. It's, everything is motivating to me. Just like becoming a better DJ, becoming a better person. I don't know. I just, I'm a worker. I'm a little worker bee. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Hamza says, how did you get into DJing and where does your DJ name come from? Well, that that's a great question. We actually covered that through the podcast. So he's, once I, once we put this one out, he's going to, He's going to hear all about it. The next one was, what was your first venue you've ever played as a DJ? It was Escobar, which I've also covered. Your top, this is my mentor, DJ Z, who asks, your top five hip-hop groups of all time. Oh, why are you going to put me on the spot? I hate you. Oh, okay. Groups. This group, this group count is two or more? Like, yeah, for example, yeah. like. Yeah, I'd say duo. I'd say duo would be a group, yeah. Gangstar. Yep. Hundred percent. And back to your Primo thing, I I haven't met Primo yet. Um, definitely been a fan forever, forever of Gangstar's work and his work as a DJ and as a producer. So like, I think some of my stuff is sort of caught on his radar, based on some of the people we 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 mutually know. Like you know, like Lord Finesse, we're cool. Shouts out to him. Like amazing, amazing producer. What my so Mob Mob Deep is also one of my top hip hop groups of all time. That's another duo. I have a thing for these like producer, producer, you yeah, know, one producer. A, I, I don't know. I, I love Mob Deep. Group, yeah. yeah. What's another one? This is difficult. I like Bootcamp. I like Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang is up there. I like Bootcamp Click. Uh, rest in peace, Sean Price. Like, do you listen to Sean Price? I've heard the name before. Yeah. Sean Price is just like the wittiest and, and dopest MC ever. And then for my fifth hip hop group, it's hard to actually say this is my, it's hard to have a top five because hip hop has so much talent. Yeah. I feel like it might be easier for other genres, but. I mean, you gave a few names, I think. Yeah. I think so we're good with that. Those, those definitely are, are up there. But you know, when you listen back to a podcast, you're like, Damn, I wish I said that. So yeah. not in any order. Those are some of my favorites and um, definitely influenced my style and my vibe. <laughs> this is hilarious. So I have a, I have another question from my girl, Lula, who goes, are you ever going to take your foot off all these nexus? So that is to say, like, when, when someone thinks that you're doing good or when you see someone doing good and you're like, yo, you're all up in it, like, you know, 
when someone thinks you're killing it, they say that like, yo, you got your foot on everyone next. Like you're just oh. uh, you're stomping them down, you know? <laughs> I've never heard this term before. Yeah, so I guess <laughs> at first when people were saying it, I didn't get it. I'm like, because yeah. it sounds so aggressive, right? right. You just Sorry, visualize yeah. You're like, that's that's kind of violent. <laughs> that's <still. pretty> violent. <laughs> that's kind yeah, of we violent. Don't, we don't condone any violence here. But to answer the question is, heck no. You know, we got to keep going. And sometimes you you got to just do it that, the hostile takeover sometimes. <laughs> Um, and then back to the last question I really like this question in what ways has your love for music influenced your purpose as a DJ I think that for me everything was rooted um, in hip hop from the very very beginning and I've you know my love for music is is very is this I can't even explain it I, I think it's like you know what I think that it's all about being passionate so if you're passionate about something then you almost don't even have to think about pursuing it. It's just like, it just makes sense to. Right. So it's just like, I have a burning desire in me to pursue this. And like, you know, you have a burning desire when you can't stop thinking about something. You're just like. It's always on your mind. Yeah. Always on your mind. And you're always thinking of like different ways to do this or get involved in this. And it's, you know, and it just always contributes to me as a DJ. I don't even know if I answered the question, but you know what? I love this one. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. One day, like it's. I'm sure one day you'll have the full answer. I mean, I think you did as best. You know. Yeah. You did your best. Yeah. Maybe hold on to it. In what way says you? You know, I'm gonna hold on to Maybe it. I might. To I it. might even have to do like a blog write up because I. That's another way that I like expressing myself is writing. Oh, you have your own blog? No. Okay. But I. But I write. I have my own like myself things where i just like yes, write write right. notes or write right. poems or write um stories hey, well yeah. maybe that's what came out of this today and it, it you know planted a seed in your head and eventually for sure you'll have the full answer well thank you so much for for this opportunity and no, um, not a problem happy to connect again and thank you everyone for listening um hopefully you know we'll continue this in the future and and where can we find you on social media social media you can find me at, at djt jr so that's at d-e-e J-A-Y-T-J-R on Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud. That's my tag on everything. And then on Facebook, it's, on Facebook, it's DJT Junior Official. But if you type that in, in anywhere, you'll find me on there. Amazing. Well, thank you, DJT Junior, for the, uh, for, for the stories today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to uh, connecting again. For sure. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Finding Perspective podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and learned something new, please hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. To stay up to date with all things Finding Perspective, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Finding Perspective Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at underscore Kapil Guy. Hope you have a great week. Until next time.